I didn't betray my country. I'm still an Iranian. I'm still Sarah. I, I love my country and I love my people and I love Christ. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face discrimination, imprisonment, displacement, and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We are in this together with them, and we need to hear their voice. Join host Sarah as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. Recently, Iran has grabbed a lot of media attention. We've heard about this from a political perspective and a military perspective. But what about the church? What is it like to be an Iranian Christian? On today's podcast, I'm talking to Release Council of Reference member Sara Afshari. In her early 20s, she became a Christian in Iran and spent time in prison for her faith. She later moved to the UK where she continues to work on behalf of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East. Welcome, Sarah, to The Voice podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. You're one of Release International's uh, Council of Reference members. Let me ask you, first of all, could you tell us how you came into that position and what does it involve? Uh, it has been a privilege to be uh, part of Release International and a member of, uh, of the Council. Um, as you know, I'm Iranian and part of the persecuted church and I become Christian when I was in Iran and therefore very familiar with the issue of persecution and with the pain of the persecuted Christians, brothers and sisters they go to. And that creates a, a much more um, passion for me to um, be part of that kind of work and especially uh, when I came to UK a long time ago to study 1997 and I noticed lots of um, our brothers and sisters in the West, they love to support us and they've been supporting us and uh, through lots of different means and I think and Release International has been one of them and with other few other mission organizations. I think that gave me a kind of feeling privilege to be part of uh, their work, praying for them being there if I can do anything. Uh, and I think it came, all this come together this way. As well as being on the Council of Reference for Release, you're also involved in many other areas of research and ministry. Could you just tell us quite briefly about the current projects that you're working on at the moment? Um, yes, I have been involved in uh, lots of things. And of course, all the things I've been involved is related to Christian Christianity and to Christians in the Middle East, in Iran. Um, recent projects I've been working on uh, uh, is again the same thing which you guys are doing, persecution. I'm writing um, something about persecution of Christians in Iran. Uh, at the same time, I'm also writing uh, something about uh, conversion of Muslims to Christianity, mainly through media and how media have been affecting uh, uh, those process of conversion. Uh, and how Muslims relate to Christian message coming from media into their context. That is another topic I've been doing. And another project which again still I'm continuing involved in is in relation to uh, migration and migrants from the Middle East, refugees from the Middle East into the West and also the church's response in this area and especially those refugees who choose the church as a gate to um, 
the Western community to the European community and all these things, how that relationship of the church and the refugee and migrants goes, and especially those who, in the process, they convert to Christianity. It sounds like you have a great deal of expertise and experience in this area, and I suppose that was born out of the fact that you're from the Middle East. Could you just tell us what it was like growing up in Iran and how did you come to Christ? I, when I look back in my life, I feel um, though uh, it has been uh, lots of incidents in movements and sometimes unhappy memories and all these things, I feel uh, it has been a privilege to have such a life. Uh, although I personally myself was arrested a few times and imprisoned and all these things. Uh, I think all this... Um, uh, your memories uh, and your lifestyle and all these things contribute to who you become as a Christian in that journey. Yes, I become Christian in Iran a uh, long time ago. I was actually baptized in 1989. Um, if, when I was baptized in Iran, Khomeini was still alive. Um, and we had we used to have a church and then our small group grew quite fast and after that create a kind of government site as a threat and, and therefore uh, my bro fellow brother and sisters they went through lots of pain of persecution arrest and losing their family lo lo uh, losing their friends relatives and even um, universities because most of us were young really and i mean our oldest was 28 I, I just understood the meaning of when Christ says, you need to ca carry your cross and follow me. And that is what I felt following Christ, meaning carrying your cross and you have no options. And when I came to the West, I realized, um, to, the, to UK, I realized um, Christians, they have much more comfortable lifestyle and sometimes this comfort might put us to sleep and forget about the pain and the suffering um, our brothers and sisters they go through. You mentioned being arrested and imprisoned yes. earlier. Was that because you'd become a Christian? Uh, the church actually, um, I start going, uh, this, this church was actually closed down by, not by the government, but because of the pressure was so high and almost all Christians left the church, only one person remained. And then uh, a few uh, young people who wanted to convert to Christianity, uh, including myself and a friend of mine, five of us, we reopened the church. And uh, we then we started running the church. And the church started growing and become very popular among the student, um, university students. And then the authority put uh, lots of pressure on us uh, therefore, we used to have every single week someone in prison or sometimes even more than one person in prison and then we try to uh, re help that person to come out of that. And another side, we, our families are putting pressure on us and therefore we ended up not having family and not having also security from the government's point of view and many of us couldn't even finish their universities. And therefore, this constant struggle uh, between um, the government, the family, and the society uh, was kind of very difficult situation to go through. Each of us went to prison several times, even not once. 
uh, and we become quite known in the city. I can tell you lots, lots of, of the pain and the suffering this small group went uh, and the persecution and the imprisonment and interestingly we uh, always were there for each other because this small group become family. Almost all of us, our family, uh, didn't want us anymore and even my own family which they were really agnostic and when I was an atheist they were proud of me and my brothers used to I, I mean go to prison because of me or my father would cover for me but the moment I become a Christian they see it as a betrayal to the culture and a betrayal to uh, the country they didn't because of the western side of that connotation of Christianity and the Hollywood movie that time was very difficult and uh, it was very difficult to convince them, no, the Christianity I have accepted is not the Western Christianity, it's not a Hollywood movie. I didn't betray my country, I'm still an Iranian, I'm still Sarah, I, I love my country and I love my people and I love Christ. There is a lot of misconception in the Middle East, isn't there, that Christianity is a Western religion even though Christianity was in fact birthed in the Middle East. Is that some of that misconception contributed to the persecution? Yes, it is. Um, it has uh, not only this uh, misconception, also the political movement we see in the Middle East, uh, the West against the East, and sometimes the politics of the West uh, try to say, um, especially sometimes coming from America, putting Christianity and Islam against each other in the fight between, the, let's say, America uh, in the West and Iran and all these things, Christian in the West and the Muslims in. I think that it has damaged a lot uh, Christian, Christian image in the Middle East, which I am not happy about it. The birth of Christianity is in the Middle East. Christ is a Middle Eastern. But because of the strength of the West in relation to the theology and in relation to uh, the growth and development of Christian doctrine, Christianity become very much Western. And then because of the, the persecution of Christians in the Middle East or in the majority of the country, we never had the chance to develop our own theology, our own way of understanding, and therefore we rely a lot to the, the Western theology. But uh, I, my prayer would be, God give us a strength to develop our own understanding of Christianity in the Middle East and Christian theology in the Middle East. Then when we feel much more happier in, when we say, yes, the birth of Christ, the birth of Christianity was in the Middle East. It's a really interesting insight that Christianity has sort of become westernised. I suppose the gospel message should be unified across every country, every tribe, every nation, every land. The substance should be the same, but with regard to form, a Middle Eastern church needs to be able to worship yes. and approach God in a Middle Eastern way rather than a Western way. Yeah, exactly, because we need to remember Unity is, should not be uniformity. Today I'm talking to Release Council of Reference member Sarah Afshari. She has told us about her journey of faith and the opposition she experienced. Now we'll move on to talk about the current situation in Iran, how the country has been impacted by recent political events and how Iranian Christians are coping, both in Iran and in the West. 
let's move on to talk politics. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's been one major news story that's hit the headlines recently, which has been the assassination of Qasem Soleimani, who was a senior member of Iran's military, ordered by the US President Donald Trump. And we've just been talking about the way that Christianity is seen as a Western influence by people in the Middle East. Do you think, given what's happened, um, that Christians might become even more of a target now? There is no winner in the Middle East, I have to say. And there is no winner within the Iranian situation which we are in, the, from the political point of view, from the nuclear point of view. Whatever you take, there is no winner there. Whatever they do, there, it has its own consequences. And the, the sad part is that we are facing worse, worse and worse, even not bad and worse. It, the situation is, we can't, I mean, we have saying in Farsi, when something bad comes, it says, okay, be afraid of the worse. And now there is no bad anymore. What we have is worse. And, um, and in that worse situation, every, all, I would say is every single Iranian suffering. Yes, Christians, like other minority groups, are also suffering and being persecuted. And one of the problem Christians are normally scapegoat in that situation. They are scapegoats for um, the, uh, the, uh, the political agenda of the West and the political agenda of, uh, of Iran. Earlier you, you mentioned what it was like to be an Iranian Christian from your own experience. How, is it, how has that changed in the last 20 years for the Persian-speaking church? What sort of pressures is the church in Iran under now? Uh, comparing... Um, to your situation? To my situation. I think there are huge... There are lots of differences. The thing is our relationship with the West was extremely minimized. We didn't... I didn't know anyone from the West. Our church didn't know much about what is happening in the West. No, Christ, uh, Christ, Christians nowadays, they know there are lots of brothers and sisters behind them. They are praying with them. And that is very good. And the media brings them, create a channel to link them to much bigger global Christianity. I think that is an amazing privilege. And the persecution also was there it's increased. It's, I mean, if I compare that, yes, I did go to prison uh, and I have lots of, I mean, and my friends also, we have lots to tell stories about those things. Uh, those days, perhaps the judges, they were much more sympathetic in somehow they could make their own decision quicker. That is why we, even we managed to, we used to manage to help our brothers and sisters who were in prison to be released in, by providing a bail, asking someone else to do that, all that kind of things. Then nowadays become much, the government become much more um, experienced in the way they persecute Christians, imprison them or uh, I mean, psychologically pushing them to the corner or these things. I think uh, they become much more experienced in them than in my time. The, the, because we didn't have that many people coming to Christ. And that is why I was baptized in Iran openly, mm. even when Khomeini was alive. Uh, because still they didn't have the fear of the growth of Christianity. Yeah. yeah. 
And the church, does it meet in secret? Does it try and hide its activities now? There is no, the church, uh, all the Christian activities are banned in Iran anyway. They, they have to meet in a small group and in hidden, and they should not make noise to make themselves known. We don't know how many Christians we have, and we don't know how much this underground church is growing, and we don't know what kind of theology this is developing among these underground churches, and what kind of Christianity is growing in Iran. We don't know, we just have only our assumptions, our assumption based on maybe few house churches we know of really. And therefore, most of it is hidden. Most of this is, is secret. We don't know. It's a secret movement of God. Yes, yeah, secret movement of God. And the, one of the amazing privileges we have is God's work among the Iranians and Afghans. Mm. Uh, and uh, it is an amazing privilege to not only witnessing that, but also being part of that work, that amazing work that God has started. There's a perception here um, that the church in Iran is, is growing and that there's this quite distinct and remarkable move of God amongst Iranian Christians, not just in Iran, but in the diaspora. Can you confirm that? Oh, yes, and that's what I, I mentioned earlier. It is an amazing privilege to be part of that movement, being to witness it, to uh, contribute to it in somehow. Um, yes, Christianity among Iranian is growing and uh, has been growing for at least during these past 20 years. Because we have one side is, is growing in Iran and also in diaspora. There's something that you've said in the past that I've come across which surprised me, which was that in your experience, Iranian Christians living in the West actually struggle more to follow Christ than they did uh, back in Iran. Um, could you explain what you mean by that? A friend of mine sometimes asked, um, uh, some time ago asked me a question. I says, why is it so difficult, for example, in the West to say I am a Christian than in Iran? And that is a convert from the Muslim background who went to prison also several times. And he says, when, and that is true, when this guy was in Iran, in no circumstances he would give up the Christ. And even, the, even sometimes government would ask him, if you convert back to Islam, I will give you all these things. And he would still say his no. And, but this person came to the West. And then he says, sometimes, if in the morning on Sunday I wanted to sleep, and I just says, okay, I'm not going to church. Why is it so difficult to be a Christian in the West and so easy to be a Christian in Iran? And that is true, because that is our actual experience. The strength of my faith is still in Iran. The strength of my faith I have now is still the roots are in Iran. The roots grow when I was in Iran. Why do you think that is? I think um, the teaching some of sometimes the churches they give in relation to Converse situation and circumstances are shallow. Doesn't touch the heart, the deep side the heart. Doesn't touch those wounds or those uh, scars to remind you, you need to grow. Doesn't, I think, because, okay, perhaps those teachings the church gives, 
is the right one for the, the, the church congregation, the main congregation, English congregation or whatever. And, but when it comes to the convert or the concept of a convert, they may not may be so shallow. And especially if that convert coming from an Islamic background and with the Islamic spirituality or Sufism or these things, which is much, much deeper in, when it comes to that kind of spirituality or these things, it is, sounds very shallow. And therefore, it doesn't, it helps them to fall asleep. Um, we want a nice, easy, comfortable exactly. Christianity. Yes, yes. Where we can, we've got so much freedom and so much money and so many other things to turn to other than Christ. Yes. That it's, I, I suppose, perhaps easier in that respect to be a Christian in Iran because you really do need to depend on Christ for everything. Yes, exactly. And then everything is correct. You should not criticize everything. You should not really. And therefore, suddenly, you don't know who you are anymore. The struggle of living in a postmodern world where you don't know what truth is anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. A converse needs to become very clear in that set in that sense. Not to be able yes, they they would these things will shake them, but how can church leaders really help them to move in that direction? Um that's really helpful to think through that because many of our listeners most of our listeners will be from the UK and um, we need to guard our own hearts, not just pray for our that brothers and sisters abroad. That is wonderful uh, abroad. thing to say, say yeah. that. We need to guard our hearts and faith in ours, yes. Yeah, and we need the prayers of people from Iran, like yourself and others, as well as um, they need our prayers. Yeah. Um, let's end on, on a note of prayer. How do you think Iranian Christians would want us to pray for them? Um, I think praying for uh, strength to go through difficult times, especially in relation not to having a community, to be part of it, of praying, to find a community, each individual converts to be able to find a community, to be part of it and pray or even create their own small community. I think that is one of the, the loneliness is, uh, uh, I think is one of the, um, sometimes the loneliness is much stronger than the persecution. Because when you are in a community, it's easier to go through persecution. Mm. But when you are lonely, it is very hard to keep your faith alive. And of course, pray for the Iranian government to open their hearts and um, to Christ, to his message and pray for the Iranian situation, especially the economic situation. Thank you so much, Sara, for taking the time to be with us and for your story and your insights. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and to be part of this podcast. It's easier to be a Christian in Iran than the UK. That's a bold and controversial statement. None of us would want to minimise or wish for the harsh persecution that our brothers and sisters are subjected to, but neither should we undermine the subtle temptations that come with wealth and comfort. They can have a creeping and destructive impact on our faith. We truly do need to guard our hearts and learn from those who know what it means to carry their cross. Let's thank God for what he's doing among Iranian people, but let us also consider what that means for us.
Thank you so much for listening to Release International's Voice Podcast. Please do subscribe to your favorite podcast app and stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. There are many other ways you can get involved. For more information on how you can pray and support persecuted believers across the world, please visit our website www.releaseinternational.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them.